0: So neuroplasticity is, in my view, the greatest hope, on top of whatever you've got going right now, is the greatest hope and inspiration I've seen in my lifetime for rewiring the effects and impacts of stress and trauma on the brain.
1: Hello, and thank you for joining me here on Hope to Recharge podcast, the podcast that's designed to break the stigma around mental health and to create some hope and inspiration and give some practical tips to those that are struggling with mental health, whether it's from personal stories to break the stigma or some advice from professionals in the mental health community, whether you are struggling with mental health on your own, or you know a loved one that is struggling, we are here to support you and to create a community so you know you are not alone. The road to recovery can be difficult and challenging. At Hope to Recharge, we believe that in mental health, together is always better. I'm your host, Matana. Thank you for joining me here today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com, the online platform for therapy. Are you thinking of starting therapy or are you in need of a new therapist? Go to BetterHelp.com and find the therapist that meets your need. You can access them from your phone, from your tablet, from your computer. No matter where you are in the world, no matter what time of day, you can find your therapist that fits your need. BetterHelp is giving us 10% off the first month. They are so affordable. Go check them out. BetterHelp.com forward slash hope. Hope to recharge. That's betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. Gift yourself therapy. Go get yourself wellness. Hello and welcome back to Hope to Recharge Podcast. Today I have Professor Selina Bartlett all the way from Australia. She's actually speaking to us from her lab where she is researching neuroplasticity and food and all kinds of good stuff, all for us to get healthier and better and feel great. Dr. Selena was with us A few times already in the past, twice in the past, episode seven and episode 17, powerful episodes. I could not stop getting more and more requests to have Selena back again because it was just such powerful conversations. And, and my audience said, let's bring her back to hear more about neuroplasticity. And today what I want to discuss with Dr. Selena, Professor Selena is about food and neuroplasticity and the relationship between them. Dr. Selena is doing research now on all kinds of food and mood. And we're going to deep dive into it. And she really cut out a half an hour from her time during research. We just got behind the scenes of her lab. It's crazy what goes into research for us to feel better. I am so grateful to have you here, Dr. Selena. Thank you for giving us your time. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm really excited to be here.
1: She's actually walking to find good Wi-Fi. That's how (laughs) this is how devoted she is. Like this lab is, I think, 10 story high, thousands of rooms, and she's looking for Wi-Fi because she is so devoted to making people feel good and helping people with what she calls brain health. We call it mental health and she calls it brain health. She likes calling it brain health. Is that correct?
0: That's correct. I'm I, I kind of really excited to know when people stop thinking themselves as having mental health and have brain health and what they're doing to get their health fit. I think that's the key strategy. It's not to take away from the concepts of mental health, because as you know, that's my passion. It's more about how do I drive this message that there's this biochemistry and physical connections inside the brain that can be trained just like you training a bicep in your arm. So it's brain health and fitness. My whole life is dedicated to coming up with brain fitness tools that can resonate with different types of people so they can actually start this journey of understanding that you can apply the principles of neuroplasticity, that is the brain's massive
1: capacity for change,
0: um, with just having the right tools and doing daily training like you would if you went to the gym.
1: Right. I'm just going to give a short, quick history. on. In episode number seven, we spoke about Selena's personal story with brain health and how her sister passed away from illness, from lack of care and knowledge that goes on. Even though Selena was in research and in the field of um, mental care. She unfortunately lost her sister and then she devoted her life into researching more about neuroplasticity and how we can rewire our brain. And that's the second episode, episode 17, we spoke about rewiring our brains and thinking positively and and how do we shift from depression anxiety and all kinds of things that we're going through. And we can actually do exercises to shift it to the more positive, getting out from that gloomy fogginess into joy and Dr. Selena shares with us in seven, in episode 17 her journey from depression into wellness and today we are going to go deep dive into food and neuroplasticity. So give us a little bit background what was your passion about this food So it
0: all comes together really because um, you know I've been on the journey to try and understand how the brain works. And now during that journey, I spent a long time running a lab at the University of California, San Francisco, and my whole lab was focused on alcohol addiction, right? And then during that time, I learned a lot about the circuits in the brain that alcohol affects. And some of these circuits are called nicotinic. uh, They're they're the things that drive you to feel good, like it's what nicotine binds to in the brain. Now, on my way back to Australia in about 2012, uh, they, they recruited me back here. I set up an experiment in the lab over there where we actually use sugar as a control for our alcohol studies. Mm. And my collaborator at the Stanford Research International called me when I just got back to Australia and said, "Oh my God, Selene, you won't believe this!" But the receptors inside the brain that we are studying for alcohol are actually changing in exactly the same way for the sugar. So that just that totally blew my mind um, (sighs) because it was our control. And so my PhD student here in Australia, um, who's now finished. I had him replicate all that work, and we ended up publishing those findings um, in a couple of journals, and we can continue working in that space. Now, what we were shocked to find was that this is not just one or two teaspoons of sugar in a cup of coffee. This is prolonged overconsumption of sugar over a period of time. What it does is it changes the physical and chemical structure of the brain, and specifically the top part of the brain, the human part of the brain, which is where you have impulse control. It's where you make decisions, um, that kind of thing. And also is the part of the brain that controls your emotional reactions. So what does that mean for the average person listening? Well, that means that it's very hard if you're eating a lot of sugar to actually um, resist having more sugar or food that's rich in sugar or high fats or things like that because these things are actually changing our ability to resist temptation the more we have. And there's kind of three factors that end up coming to for me to discover. Um one, let me just give you the personal story first. So after I left UCSF, I'd was working so hard raising a big family, a small family, but just you know, a lot of stress and I put on a lot of weight. I was very, very unhealthy by the time I got back to Australia. And then I started training for marathons and was running up to nineteen kilometres in a training run and I was still struggling to lose weight around my waistline and that part of my body. And then I actually just started all these sugar studies in the lab and then it then just as things happen, it became very clear to me that I was using sugar as a way to control my stress. Mm-hmm. That, would, that had been my go-to habit. So for me, on a big day at work, I'd get home and have a glass of wine while I'm cooking dinner. That would turn into half a bottle of wine, or and then I'd want to have dessert after eating dinner. And I never felt full from eating. So the thing about sugar, we're just talking about sugar, but this kind of goes to high-fat food and salt and whatever your kind of stress comfort food eating is, because everyone has different things. Um, and I'm going to tell you why that is in a minute. But what I discovered was that I could not um, lose uh, weight. And it's not just about weight. Weight's just an indicator, okay? It's not about that. I'm just trying to show you how it works in the brain. Sugar changes the structure of the brain, but also it's made up of two components. One's glucose and one's fructose. Now, the fructose part actually activates the hypothalamus And what that means, it's the part of the brain that releases peptides in your body to tell you that you're full. So what that means is if you have too much sugar, then you actually want to overeat on the next meal. So you never feel full when you're having a lot of sugar in your diet Mm. from any food. You always want to keep eating and and you have to actually make yourself stop eating, right? So there's two big things going on in the brain. Now, the third thing that was the killer that changed my life was recognizing that the fructose, because it's so much energy it gets stored in visceral fat cells, so they're the cells that line the stomach and the thighs, and they multiply like cancer cells. Wow! And they like they're like gas chambers, and you never get rid of them, but you can get rid of the gas out of them by taking out sugar and these high energy foods. Um, and as you probably know, uh, specifically because I'm American and Australian, is that the American diet and now the Australian diet is full of sugar, even at, even if you don't know you're eating it. It's in bread, it's um, in high fructose corn syrup, it's in so many foods. If you start to pay attention to just how much is actually embedded inside your food you'd be absolutely shocked Mm -hmm. okay so what i did was i immediately started reducing my sugar intake i became first of all it's the awareness and then secondly it was actually starting to reduce the amount i was eating um you know in different types of food and then i literally did regain my waistline and i'm in my 50s and i'm never yes and and so then was also um i was running remember that training for marathons but so it's not just the sugar that's going and give you back your waistline, but without that, it makes it very difficult, even if you're working out in the gym. And the other thing that happens for people, and if and everyone can relate to this, I was certainly one of them. You work out in the gym, you feel so glad you did it, you go and reward yourself with a frappuccino or something like that afterwards, thinking it's only two or three hundred calories, and you just burnt 600. But the way sugar interacts with your brain and your body means to your body, it's more like 2,000 calories. Do you need to actually go and work out another 10 times just to burn off your, that reward? You just gave yourself
1: why so how does that like what how does that happen it's it's because
0: the way that that energy is stored inside those visceral fat cells right it's storing all that energy to burn off that energy you've got to it's not just the calorie number it's how it's being stored inside your body so to burn off that energy you've got to do even more work if you see what i'm saying and then also the way it's activating your brain is making it very difficult for you to initiate all sorts of things you know when we talk about how we can help people get up in the morning and do different things well if you have a high sugar alcohol intake it makes it more difficult to do these things that we keep talking about you know as being great Full, um, getting motivated because the way this food interacts with your brain decreases levels of dopamine, which are the neurochemicals that help you, get you moving, affects serotonin, the things that make you feel good. So it has all of these flow-on-double-whammy effects that people would just not be aware of. I certainly was not aware of it. How long did you go sugar-free for? Well, it's not sugar-free. It's reducing the intake. So and what? I, do you give I, yourself an I, allowance? I, well, it, I just, well, I, what I did was I moved my, my, so this is, okay, let's just back up for one second. If you want to recognize, most people don't realize how stressed out they really are. And it's because we're either freezing, we're flying, or we're fighting. That's our responses to stress over centuries, right? We mm-hmm. talked about that in the previous episode. Right. Food is the way to medicate that stress from a brain perspective. Mm-hmm. So the brain's always driving you to reach for these things to, so to medicate your stress Mm. so that's why we always start with let's get rid of let's work out how to change the way we react to stress first because that's going to mean you have less need to go for those high sugar high fat foods right because the cause is the stress the food's just the medication right right so obviously i was doing this neuroplasticity training um while i was doing this because i'd worked this out so as you probably know i have a Pretty killer morning routine with my exercise and gratitude and you know all of those things. And then at the same time, then I started to reduce my sugar intake, or at least become aware just how I was reaching for anything that would medicate something by the afternoon. Whether it's going to vending machines for chocolate, whether it's going for wine at nighttime, whether it's going for chips or cheese or whatever it is that you're leaning towards because you're not realizing that you need to. Kind of medicate the stress in another way that's more healthy. I basically replaced. Now what I do is I still have some bad days, but basically what I do is I eat raw nuts. Mm-hmm. So that became my new thing. And um, you can still overeat raw nuts, but basically. The thing that first happened, Natana, that was amazing to me. As I, even within one week of saying to reduce my sugar intake, I started to feel full again from eating. That was the biggest thing. So that was a one way to reduce my portion, to get portion control. Wow. Because I'd lost those peptides in my brain that told me I was full from eating. And wow. that was the best. Yeah. That's how it works. That's what I'm saying. It's got these flow on effects. It's not just the number of calories in and the number of calories out for sugar or how, for these really high-energy foods. How long did it take you? Well, it started, like, the first recognition of the problem, the first time I started to feel full was in about a week or two of taking down the amount of sugar I was eating. The mm-hmm. second thing was then, obviously, now, like a few years later, I've introduced occasionally intermittent fasting, um, all sorts of other things. For so the sugar reduction in terms of getting my waistline back in combined with the running, And also standing up more at work instead of sitting because sitting is also difficult too for your body. Um, Those three components, I think it was within probably um, a year or so. Remember, I'm doing this in my close to 50 by that stage. Right. So I got through menopause and everything and managed to get my waistline back by doing these strategies. So I call them neuroplasticity strategies because I think because they are actually changing the brain when mm-hmm. you implement these things and, um, it's very powerful. But the thing that I want to, I think that I want your audience to understand is sugar is as addictive as alcohol and nicotine. It changes your brain in exactly the same way that alcohol and nicotine change your brain. That's why it's difficult to give up. It imp- impacts the top part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, which makes it very difficult to resist having the third piece of chocolate once you've had the first one. The underlying cause of all of this is stress and it's and an untrained brain right none of us are really training our brain like we train it as a muscle we we do all these other things we give our brain to other people we take drugs to make us feel better when basically we've never been shown that this oldest part of the brain which is millions of years old needs to be trained like a muscle through these daily exercises that you keep telling people about or i keep telling about and you know like wim Hof keeps talking about mm-hmm. and all these people, David Goggins, like they're, they're kind of growing in number and people see them as extreme, but really what why I love these people is they're, they're a real demonstration of how you can completely change from, you know, 360 degrees. Right. by doing brain training, because what they're doing is brain training. And Wim Hof talks about that specifically. It's all about mindset training first. And that's what we're talking about with this. Why we're doing food and mood is food makes it really difficult um, to make changes if you're overeating or eating the wrong foods. It just makes it a bit
1: harder. So if you took a thousand people to an island and you only gave them vegetables and almonds and let's say even protein with no sugar, Yep. Would and, water. See, and water, Yeah. <laughs> would you see an extreme difference after three yes. to four months in their mood? Yes.
0: Yes. Yep. Definitely. No doubt in my mind. So I did a, I, I, it's funny you should mention that. So, cause you know, I'm a scientist and I know this is N equals one on myself, but I actually did the whole measuring my bloods over a year. Blood, <laughs> did blood tests in the Kaiser Permanente hospital at exactly the same time, three months apart over a year. And I went completely plant-based, completely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as at this stage, I was running every day, right? I had got some small diagnosis of um, Hashimoto's at that Mm -hmm. point um, that I didn't know about. Um, And so that's why I did this. I actually was able to improve my blood pressure, my cholesterol, and this is me being, I was all kind of, slightly in range all my blood my blood glucose went from something like 87 down to 75 my hdl reversed in the right direction my ldl reversed um my and i they were no no longer at the end of the year able to give me a diagnosis of hashimoto because mm. i was all in right because i was in range wow for all the for measurements of tsh and other blood markers for that particular diagnosis so and then I did the next experiment and went back to not eating completely 100% plant-based and my numbers reversed again. Really? Yep. Not as dramatically bad, but still I haven't done them recently because I have been a little bit bad lately. I've been having a lot of fun. But, um, but in general, I, I did that um, and I can show – I have the graphs and I have the actual Kaiser Permanente medical records that I can show anybody um, over that year of all my numbers going down.
1: So is there a way to actually stop craving sugar? Like just like, I don't know how it works with alcohol. Once somebody goes clean from alcohol for, let's say a year, do they not crave it anymore? Or is no, they are There's no. still in a, like a craving for it, right?
0: It is because no one's training their amygdala. Alcohol, sugar, stress, anxiety, all those labels, it's all the outcome of an untrained amygdala and nucleus accumbens and old brain. So when you get up every morning and you make your bed, you have have your gratitude, you go for your run or you walk outside or you do your exercise, you eat well, they're foundational steps of becoming healthy, healthy and strong. When you're doing those things, you are actually getting mig fit. And we mentioned that earlier. What I mean by that is when your brain's untrained and it's reacting to everything, I call it having a miggy moment, it's actually wiring and biochemistry and physiology that's evolved over millions of years. I can show you this circuitry inside plants and mushrooms in the root systems of plants and mushrooms that have exactly the same type of signaling apparatus that our brain has because what's our main job as humans is to stay alive. So that's why that part of the brain is super strong. It's super strong and it's it's the most important thing it cares about is staying alive, right? Now, because of that reason, it processes fear, stress, anxiety, and negative information at a much faster rate than positive information coming in, mm-hmm. and that's because it's to keep you alive. It thinks that you might be seeing a snake or something, you need to get out of the way, right? But that's right. just not true in our modern world anymore, but it's still we still operate as if we are still in the caves in terms of brain training. You tell me someone that told you today what they did for their brain fitness. They'll tell you about yoga, they'll tell you about working out in the gym for their biceps, but there's very few people telling you, hey, I did this today, I'm getting MIG fit. So
1: once, so for example, you say MIG fit exercise. So let's say you have a program and you're working on the program, we're gonna talk about it a little bit later. So they do their training. After a few months, they will not crave sugar anymore if their MIG is fit. Uh Yes. So you're getting rid of the craving and you no longer have that addiction. So you're basically reversing the whole idea of addiction. You're you're breaking the whole stigma on on addiction. And you're saying there is no addicts. It's how we wire our brain to want something. And if we work the exercise to the MIG, there is no addiction anymore.
0: MIG Mig's the beginning. The other thing is then we do cognitive training to rebuild the stress-induced loss of synapses in the prefrontal cortex, the top part of the brain. So we've got exercise and we can rebuild that too, but that's for another session maybe. Um, And that's the next part of neuroplasticity training. But can I just? I, I need to re-emphasize this point, right? So I'm an addiction neuroscientist, and I've studied the brain for 30 years. I want to. I want to emphasize that I was developing drugs, thinking all I needed to do is understand a pathway better and come up with a better drug than was already on the market. I did that for 22 years. I'm a pharmacist, and I'm medically trained, right? I discovered neuroplasticity after doing all of that work, and then I applied it to my own life. What we understand now from research is that we have a genetic blueprint, we come into this world pre-wired, we don't come in a blank slate. Right. So we now know that you have your genetic blueprint, and then you have the environment can change the way those genes are expressed. But just last year, they also demonstrated that what we used to call junk DNA, or now they call non-coding RNAs, have this capacity to remember stuff and pass it on subsequently for three further generations. So what does that mean? And what did I tell you about the brain? It likes negative over positive, right? So it's going to always remember bad stuff. Now, just remember, you may have inherited those memories from other generations. Right,
1: right. We spoke about right? this a little bit. We touched upon this in the last episode on so getting why the this, DNA, right? Exactly. And why this matters.
0: This is the root core of why people are... I'm sorry, I get a bit passionate at this point. But the wiring in the brain for this stress is wired to the part of the brain that's driving you to seek these foods that stimulate the release of dopamine and serotonin to medicate that wiring, you see, because that wiring is so powerful, but the, it, but it can kill off the brain if it's not controlled. How mm-hmm. do you control it? Immediately, have a piece of chocolate, mm-hmm. right? Because in that part of the brain, there's another section of the brain called the nucleus accumbens. And it's, it's job is to make you seek these things to stop the other thing from taking over and killing the brain off. Hmm. This is total biochemistry, neurophysiology and circuit mapping stuff, right? that we understand. And it can be trained, like you're training a muscle in your arm.
1: And it's not too late, even though we have five
0: generations. Never, nothing nothing is ever too late. Now, why am I out of my lab? If I thought it was all over Red Rover, I now understand why we've got everything we've got. Why would I be so passionate about neuroplasticity? So neuroplasticity is, in my view, the greatest hope on top of whatever you've got going right now, is the greatest hope and inspiration I've seen in my lifetime for rewiring the effects and impacts of stress and trauma on the brain, which the outcome of all of this stress and trauma that got written into the brain over a long period of time is addiction, is obesity, is mental health problems, is all of these things, right? That work has been done extensively around the world. It's called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. Mm -hmm. And it's demonstrated in multiple places all over the place that the more adverse childhood experiences you've had, not just this lifetime, but your parents, your grandparents, um, animals back centuries, has the greatest impact on you having a susceptibility to go on to develop an addiction or a depression or an anxiety or an eating disorder. You know, as with kids with eating disorders on Monday, for example. And that's why neuroplasticity the ability of the brain to be changed with training and effort and knowledge is the thing that can help reduce the impact that that wiring has had. That's led to these addictions, or whatever you want to call it.
1: So it's not enough to stop eating sugar and eating plant based. We have to also no. Do that's that a
0: great way. To, exercise. It's, a, it's a great way to start because it makes everything easier, because you start to feel better about yourself, you know, there's all of those things. But the problem is, because of the way it's impacted the brain, it's hard, you can't just stop, right? It's hard to just stop. You can do it for a few days, but the next thing a stress comes along, and you're back
1: to it. Or right? you're at a, a fun habit. party or you're like oh, going yeah. out, everybody's eating this delicious cake or ice cream yeah, or drinking absolutely. a lot. You don't want to be absolutely. the one left out. You want to have that fun and good food equals fun. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's been trained in
0: over centuries. It's our habits, right? It's our communal habits. It's our everything. So, um, But where you can start to make that easier on yourself is one, you can just, like I like to talk to people about, you know, just take one soda out in the beginning, have one less soda. Soda is one of the biggest, the, the sugar sweetened beverages is one, one of the hardest. or They just come into your body really quickly. They have very little value to your body, but they put on a lot of weight really quickly. So if you can just start to reduce there first is a really great place to start. Um, and then at the same time is the recognition and the knowledge that you have this power to train your brain you know what I mean? First, like, how do you change anything unless you recognize that it's not you, it's your brain? Right.
1: Do you right. know what I mean?
0: Because we spend, we spend a lot of effort and time trying to um, kind of try and understand the reasons why um, something happens. And that's not going to be very helpful, or, you know, for your body, or for your brain, because it's the way the brain kind of works. It those stories get deeper and deeper embedded and then it becomes the story if you right. know what I'm saying yes, yes and the yes. reason and therefore I have this therefore that's it i I'm just like dad, I'm just like Auntie Joan, I'm just like Auntie Jill or whatever you want to say. Or you Uncle give in to the,
1: the diagnosis and then you just yes. follow the rules yes. of the way yeah. the person is supposed to act and react with Absolutely. the diagnosis.
0: And, and can I just say, because this is where my compassionate I just can't help it, I just can't handle watching people suffering like this unnecessarily. Mm. I've seen people that are so wealthy, they have huge family, I love them, tons of friends wanting to help them, But they're about to have ECT therapy because they don't want to take the journey which it takes. Even they've got all these people trying to help them. It's like they've given up. They've given into what the brain's been telling them about everything, being hopeless and and that they need these drugs and all of those kind of things. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not dismissing what people are going through at all. So don't get me wrong about that because what we're talking about, Matana, as you know, we're taking path A, which is not the easy path, is it? We're saying we're going to take back the power, we're going to do these things every day, and we're going to trust that with time and effort, this is going to lead to something that's much greater than living in suffering because we're here for such a short time. It's so precious. Why live in suffering when you can be happy, healthy, strong from the inside out? That does not rely on other people
1: making that for you. And medication does help um, cover up symptoms, but sometimes the side effect. And I'm not bashing again; we don't bash medication, but no, what's, definitely not what? because
0: it, people need it when they need it. And I'm a pharmacist, as you know, I'm medically trained, and I see a middle way, I see an interweaving, but I just don't believe it. That if it's just not, it cannot be from everything I know about the brain. Remember, I was developing drugs. Remember right. that, right? And that was my main focus for two thirds of my career. Right. So, and I still see it as, a, see it as having a role because we've got new and new things coming, especially to cancer and genomics and epigenomics, all of that. But there is a middle way where I know from a brain neuroscience approach perspective, because I understand the physiology and the biochemistry behind this, is that the stuff that's happened over centuries or it happened just recently, even in your life, cannot be solved by taking a drug.
1: Right. And you're passing it on to the next generation. As well. <laughs> right.
0: So it can be solved in the sense that it's going to make you feel not so low that in terms of low or not so anxious in terms of anxiety or whatever it is, it's going to kind of give you a middle ground which might help you stay alive, for example. So there's so much value in that. But in terms of wanting to be happy, healthy, and strong and resilient, this takes time, and practice, and training like you would build a muscle in your arm.
1: I want to take it even further. People that are addicted to drugs or to alcohol, they go to Rehab centers. They'll check yes. themselves in for months, and yes. they do the exercise and the therapy. Why yes. should we not have rehab set centers working on the migdi, M- miggy? Mig, how do you call them? mig 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 fit? Mig fit. It, getting well, getting mig fit. You know, <laughs> like get your amygdala fit. And,
0: and I'm I'm saying it's more than the amygdala, but I'm just calling it that because it's simple. But it's okay. really this oldest oldest part of the brain that's driving all of these problems. You know, and not, and it's totally untrained. Right. So, you know, you mentioned rehab centers and, and absolutely, and you know what I've seen though? I've seen, because I've been, you know, I've helped a bunch of people in this space because I'm an alcohol addiction neuroscientist and what happens, even still people come off the alcohol, but they might have an underlying eating disorder or something like that, but they're still not getting to, uh, because they're not doing the MIG-FIT training, they're doing well, everything else, their brain's still not, it's still in the old ways of healing itself like so when they leave the center they go back to their normal environment and they just immediately almost
1: take up the old habit or they go to a different unhealthy habit they replace yeah, but, but, they replace yes. the addiction with a different addiction because they need something to calm that that part of the brain that's that's craving something for the anxiety depression or whatever they're goal the stress
0: yeah because that because that part of the brain hasn't been suitably trained and rewired and and the way we handle it because stress is not going away it's it's what what is going is how we handle it. Right. Right? It's that's what changes with MIGFit training. Right. It doesn't take away I'm gonna make my daughter better, then everything will be better, I'm gonna make my partner better, I'm gonna get money, then it'll be better, I'm gonna get a new job, then it'll be better. No. This MIG fit comes from the inside out it's actually all of those things can happen, but you have a new way of reacting to it that doesn't involve reaching for a chocolate bar, Right, for example, or doesn't reach or lashing out at someone or freezing and just wanting to close up and isolate yourself. Those things are outcomes of not training this part of the brain.
1: How do we find out if it's actually, if the exercise that we're doing is really working? Is there a visual on the brain? Is there a brain scan? Is there Something that we can measure and see. Yes, it's changing. Yes. So there's a
0: b- bunch of brain imaging technology and um, there's actually some, and there's more and more coming out every year um, now because we we've now have fantastic technology. Um, so we can do brain scans. Um, I can give you some extreme examples, but um, I'll start at one, which is an older one by Richard Davidson that's demonstrated with um, Buddhists training their brain by meditating for 40,000 hours mm-hmm. in the mountains. And what they demonstrated was they had an increase in the insular cortex, which is the area which which stops um, impulse control, Mm -hmm. Um, and then they had a a change in the amygdala area. So when they were in the scanner, the brain scanner, they set off a uh, kind of an alarm, and their brain did not react. So yeah. they had retrained those two parts of the brain and right. it's not just one or two, they scanned a bunch of them. So that's one example. And you're going to say, but I don't want to meditate for 40,000 hours. Well, you don't have to. Um, and then there's another example, Lara Boyd in Canada. She's currently scanning brains of children that are doing the Arrowsmith program, which is a very focused neuro- neuroplasticity-based training program. And she's demonstrated changes in the brain too. And I think one day as we get the technology up and up, We're going to be able to demonstrate to people. They can have a baseline, then we can scan them three months later and six months later because I think people are very visual Mm -hmm. and when they can actually see these things are starting to change their brain. But the one thing you can do immediately if you want to know yourself without having to look inside your brain is just to try it, experiment on yourself, listen to the podcast, listen to this, try Gratitude, Try if that doesn't work for you, try the tracing book that we developed, listen to your podcast Those informations that are more positive are going to drive your brain in a good direction. Then how do you know? Start to notice that whether you start to feel, that's where I love food, you can use food as an indicator of the change Mm -hmm. and your body, right? Measure your waistline and see if you can start to change waistline by doing some of these training tools like taking down sugar, notice that you you can't going for a walk outside when you're stressed, doing those things beforehand during the day and then focusing on changing your food and noticing how much easier it is as you're mitigating and managing your stress reactions.
1: I find that like if people would just reduce their sugar intake automatically, they will feel less anxious, less depressed, have more energy and be more positive in their day to day.
0: Absolutely. That's a great place to start.
1: Just start reducing it. it. But you're saying it's not easy. It's not easy
0: it's not easy but it's definitely it's definitely doable if they just start one at a time one little thing at a time
1: and is it something that you believe that let's say somebody was diagnosed with Bipolar. Is there any way to reverse that with extreme, extreme MigFit? And yes,
0: there is. It's not reversing, but it's changing, reducing the symptoms.
1: Let's say someone was diagnosed with bipolar. The symptoms will be far further apart and less extreme if they went through MigFit and healthy eating Cognitive. and health. Yeah, and it's
0: extreme neuroplasticity training. It's not MigFit. Just one component of that. There's multiple I'm happy to share with the audience sometime about what that looks like. Um, but I was trying to say that it's extreme. It's like people come for two to three hours, you know, three, four times a week up to, a you know, six months to a year kind of program.
1: Well, well people go to rehab for a year know, and they're okay yeah. with that. They'll check in for six months, a year, yeah, or they yeah, go back yeah. and back. And they devote this time to themselves because they want to be alcohol free. They want to be painkiller free. They want to be able or eating anonymous groups that, that, so they're, they do devote time for something that is very important to them. Absolutely, and and the things that you see happen as a result—that is wonderful. And I was just on
0: Monday. We've started the first residential farm stay facility for eating disorders, which is holistic with animals, veggie gardens, medical, psychologists, counselling, and they're also doing brain fitness training that I'm bringing into the centre as well. And to see, yeah, you know, so they're doing an integrated approach. Um, to eating disorders instead of just going in, getting an naso tube and counselling and leaving and going in and out.
1: Do you think that big pharma is coming in the way of what you're doing because yeah. because it's an easy fix for a panic attack to pop a pill versus yeah. working through the breath and understanding what's leading to the panic attack, what's leading me to anxiety, working on the thoughts behind it and working yeah, with well, breath.
0: So so I I'd recommend not even thinking about the thoughts behind it at all. The thoughts are relevant they're just they're just an untrained mechanism in the brain like i really teach people to how to you know give the finger to that like it's really about just focusing on training mm. the muscles in the brain first that's what mm. i do nothing i don't talk about anything because there's not much i can find out. i mean i understand all of that matters at some level but at some point it just gets makes the things worse by understanding it too much Do you because think? of what I know how the brain works. You know, I just know how it works.
1: Do you have hope that like in a generation or two, what you're working on is going to be so popular that That's people are going to that are going to implement it and we'll have less mental illness and less suicide yes. and less like, like, rehab homes because it won't be needed. It's my hope. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I didn't it was,
0: ex- well, I didn't expect to see this in my lifetime. I'd almost, I, I'm being really honest, I'd done everything possible to understand the brain from a medical point of view with pharmacy and pharmaceutical intervention. Right. And there's still a place for that. So to, I don't want anyone to think I don't believe that. But to understand and apply neuroplasticity to my own mind, and to understand from a neuroscience perspective, and then to see also the outcome of people actually doing it that are severely traumatized, these are kids out of home in foster care, people with mental illness, um, and to see the outcome of, from that, from neuroplasticity exercises, that to me, it's just the beginning, plus new medical understanding from being able to target non-coding RNAs using antisense technology, so doing genetic engineering, Those three things I think are going to disrupt the mental health space and that's my hope. I want to be part of that journey. I'll just do my little bit and what I'm teaching your audience and and myself is that MIG fit is just one aspect and it's really the core aspect because without training that, the brain's always going to be reactionary. It's always going to be going off at some point because there's so much stress going on all the time. You don't ever get rid of it. It's not possible.
1: Right, because it's strange for so many generations to run to that. That's their, their um, relief from the yeah, anxiety, but, yeah. from the stress. Well it's
0: the, well, it's the brain's way of staying alive, keeping right. it alive. Because right. the brain's job is just to keep, that's what we're all about, the survival of the fittest or whatever it's also Lamarckian but but really if you look around it really is about survival right how do we stay alive we're looking for resources and shelter and so the brain's always looking for things that are going to kill it right and at the moment we don't have much that's doing that so we create it like emails and bosses retirement and money and kids and getting into Harvard right is now Right. Something that can stress people. <laughs>
1: right, right. Exactly. So it's once upon a time, it's just like I need something to eat. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm wondering about chemicals. Let's say you said reducing soda; the sugar is terrible. What if someone does a diet soda? Is the chemicals just as bad? Yes, it's just
0: yes, it's worse in some it's ways. It's worse, like. Yeah, because it's chemicals. So I just highly recommend that if you can just get rid of soda out of your life, in any way possible. That's why I focus on that one specifically because there's a lot of research demonstrating its impact. Really? And by reduce, even it, we've got tons of experiments and published papers demonstrating in children mm-hmm. that after six months of taking out sugar sweetened beverages, I say sugar sweetened beverages because people think it's soft drink, it's um soda, but it's also sweet Snapple. tea. <laughs> it's all and sweet teas like yeah. teas people think that they've labeled things for sugars healthy now um so i call it sugar sweetened beverages um and we've shown that uh, not me personally but other people that if people reduce in children over six months those sugar sweetened beverages they definitely would lose weight and become less obese and that's work being done in america at, mm. in a number of different labs
1: so, so go back so to water that,
0: if you can or something like i don't know just something without sugar in it oh god everything with.
1: has chemicals and sugar everything we touch yeah, besides know, a vegetable from makes, our backyard but, the, but when you start to see that you understand why we're struggling so much
0: right Mm-hmm. it's and and everything got supersized do so what are I mean? we do our we brains do? used to us well we just have to start small start one step that's why i say let's just do one step one small thing at a time just take out one thing and see how it changes and make how it changes your mood makes you feel and to get awareness and recognition that you have the power to change it yeah. do you want to be happy healthy and strong right or not
1: <laughs> but do small changes make a change in the outcome yes small
0: changes lead to something magnificent mm. it's the smallest of changes now that right. lead to the biggest changes later and i'm telling you it's so worth it i've never been this fit in my whole life i was fitter
1: now than when i was 18. wow and you're you have so much energy you have so much energy, you're always oh, working out, got, running, you're clear, got, you're sharp. It's got worse, it's got worse
0: though, since my kids went to college. <laughs> <laughs> you mean life I just, happened to I you? Have, now I have too much energy and people are like, oh my God, I can't keep up with you. And I even feel it in myself. So I'm like, I've got to pull my, I've got to control myself almost. <laughs> but it's all come, I know it's come from this because I, you know, I started this journey in 2013. I do it every day as you know it's not right. every second day it's every right. day of my life and it's not difficult it's like it's my automatic habit now right because right. I wind it in so right. I wake up I think of three things I'm grateful for I always make the bed I have a cup of coffee I go for a run I eat um, either fruit for breakfast or nothing and some days I might skip and bring intermittent fasting and then I my food proportion sizes have changed dramatically mm-hmm. at the moment I'm eating mainly just um, as much I try and put more plants and vegetables on my plate but I'm still eating meat occasionally and fish mm-hmm. um and then uh, that's a recent thing and then i still have been partaking in alcohol consumption recently because we've been having some fun
1: <laughs> right right
0: but so we, but we overall, have to learn
1: also to to be balanced with it and be yeah have fun right yeah it's yeah. not but but
0: the thing is Matana, this does make you kind this is being kind to yourself right right a hundred this is the thing this is the thing i want to really emphasize this thing is is the thing that gives you pleasure. It's the other right. side. It's, it's, it's the true thing that happiness. makes you, well, when you can fit into your clothes and you feel healthy, fit, and strong.
1: And not depressed. There's nothing,
0: there's nothing better than that. Right. In, in right. my view. And like when I met this person recent, you know, that I'm um, with, he said to me, what do you want? And I said, I want to be happy, healthy, and strong. He goes, mm-hmm. no, what do you want? I said, I want to be happy, healthy, and strong.
1: Right. He goes,
0: what do you mean? I said, they're foundational things that I work on every day. Right everything in my life stems from that Mm. foundation. It's like the Maslow's hierarchy needs Mm -hmm. for your brain. Yes, And it's not something that just happens. Like people think happiness just happens and that some people are happy and some people, no, it's not like that at all.
1: (laughs) I just remembered a story. I was training for yoga years ago and there was a lady, one of the teachers, she was extremely fit and she was in her sixties. She was the yoga instructor. I went over to her and she, she said, oh, it's my birthday. So I said, let's get you a birthday cake. She's like, no, I don't eat sugar. I said, you don't eat sugar at all? She's like, no, I've never eaten sugar in my life. She cured herself from stage four cancer. And she was saying that when she came to America, she didn't know a word of English, nothing. She came when she was like in her 20s. And she said that they invited her for Thanksgiving and they said to her, bring cake. And she said, what is that? She didn't even know. She said, we (laughs) grew up with no sugar in our family. And for generations, She said her mother lived till like a hundred and something fit. And, and I'm, I'm thinking about it now. So this is like the generations that they've never eaten sugar, lots of rice and, and very little processed food. And and she's so fit and healthy.
0: Yes. I meant to tell you, we just showed, we haven't published this yet, that sugar actually makes the brain more inflammatory. So we've got all new, like all this new inflammation. Mm Mm-hmm. And we've also shown, haven't published yet, that advances brain cancer. We're actually showing that sugar, so, this is, that, so these are some of the other changes that I haven't even talked about to you, that yeah. we haven't published this work yet. It's brand new. Um, and we were shocked by that too. So yeah. that's a grant I'm writing right now is on on trying to show markers for that and develop treatments that target neuroinflammation because inflammation is at the base of most chronic diseases mm-hmm. and sugar just makes it worse. Right. And it's not just all about sugar, by the way. This is high-fat, high-energy foods that our body can't store. Mm -hmm. We just don't have the capacity to store all that energy that we're consuming. Mm -hmm. You know, because foods come so easy now; we don't have to plough the fields to get it. You know, that kind of thing.
1: Do you eat meat and poultry?
0: I have been. I don't haven't eaten much chicken. I eat very little, small portions of um, sometimes beef. But lately, it's just been some fish. Mm -hmm. or oysters that's the main thing but i try and minimize as much meat as i can and dairy products as much Mm -hmm. as i can um and i found it made a huge difference for that year where i went completely Mm plant-based definitely made a huge difference in my body and my blood work but i went back to it a little bit lately Um, i'm wondering if that's why i have more energy Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I don't know right. the answer to that. Right. I also think it's because I didn't have kids in college. Right. And I'm an empty nester. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> so so got a lot to do with it.
1: <laughs> you have such you have a, um, so much courage and willpower to actually do the work and and cut these things no, out of your not, life.
0: No, but it's not willpower for me anymore. It's brain power because I don't. It's automatic. I don't think okay. about it. It's not something that I'm like resisting urges. Nothing um, for me now. Like right. remember I'm I'm years in and it's not right. something I just did for 12 weeks. It's part of my lifestyle. And, and you're a, so and,
1: passionate about it. Yeah. And
0: it's not something like I can still have something and it doesn't mean that I'm going to You know what I mean? Like I can now have sugar, and it's not like the end of the world for me where I need to have four diners. Right. Do you know what right. I mean? I can still yes. have one chocolate and not have to have a whole block. And it's right. not because I'm – Powerful and strong and resilient. You know, it's because that's what I trained myself on mm. years ago. It came easier with time right. and practice. So it's like everything. You start small and it builds up on itself, and then you raise awareness, and then you start to get your waistline back, and it feeds on itself.
1: Right. And obviously, you're not talking about being fit completely. It's more about the brain health that were aiming to get to that we can feel less depressed, less anxiety, more happy. Yeah, but remember
0: all of that is stored in the body. All that stress is stored in your body. Right. So what you're eating and how fit you are is a a demonstration of how stressed you are. Interesting. So that's the other thing. These are ways of you say, how do I know, how do I know that I'm doing these things and it's helping? It's a reflection of what you're doing, Mm. Right. And so that's another way of demonstrating make Every cell in your body stores all these memories too. Stress gets imprinted in the body from the brain.
1: Um, Selena, can you talk to my audience about this? app you're working on
0: yes yeah so because um i was talking about uh, we've built a game it's a tracing game but what it's doing by doing those exercises you're actually rebuilding the prefrontal cortex which is those the way those synapses the way the brain communicates is through you know like wiring mm-hmm. and those wirings get a bit off center from years of stress and also bad eating right so we built this game We it's just a physical game but the things I know about that, it's rebuilding the pre cortex to strengthen those synapses. And mm-hmm. then as you strengthen those synapses, it allows you to have more mm-hmm. emotional control, which means you're less reactionary to stress, right? So it's a game that we're building mm-hmm. for right. that. Right. And then in the back end of that game, it's also for people to get a measure of how they're tracking with their brain health mm-hmm. and then giving them recommendations like the stuff we talk about on this podcast, mm-hmm. but to have it actually in their phone and and making it personalized to their experience so that they can actually remember what to do to get big right. fit. So it's all about getting big fit um and it's doing these different types of exercises uh, that you can do to rebuild your brain's strength and function. Mm-hmm. So that to make these things we're saying to do easier. It's like I call it preparing your brain for being yeah. able to apply all these things to do, you know. And um, really excited about it. We've been working on it for a while because we had we've had a bit of a technological breakthrough with some of the stuff. We'll be able to share it with friends, and we'll also eventually what we'll be doing is using big data, machine learning to give Mm. people feedback and personalised approach to the program Mm. because everyone's so different. Everyone's got different um, stress levels. Everyone's different things resonate with people differently so this is just another tool when is it going to be ready when do you think well hopefully this is not too far we're going to run a clinical trial though mm-hmm. so I wrote a grant to run a clinical trial to so actually have a control group where they're not having the app and a group with the app so we can demonstrate that it, whether or not it works at a clinical level mm-hmm. and um, do measurements and stuff like that as well wow so it'll be yeah so we'll have it'll be evidence based we we can release the game um so anyone can do the game, but the actual app itself, we're going to test
1: clinically. That's, we can't wait to have it. Everybody's been asking me about the app that Selena's working yeah, on. I know. So, I'm really sorry, everyone. No, it's okay. It's okay. We, I to, we I want it perfect.
0: Raise, I, also, I also need money because I've been trying to raise money from you know nonprofits and stuff to do it because these things take time. And,
1: I was going to ask and, um, you, what, who's funding all this research?
0: Well, and, so at the moment, the Children's Hospital in Queensland funded me for the first version. Mm-hmm. And I have a little bit of money left for that. The Queensland University of Technology, which is the university I'm a professor in, is giving me a little bit more money mm-hmm. to try and get it to commercial level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm looking at, you know, other foundations and things like that. But if there's anyone out there that wants to help me, I'd be really appreciative. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> or knows how to lead you to a direction of another fund. Yes. yes. Yeah. To help yep. the world get, make yep. fit. Make fit. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's the, is that's that the name of the app? Yes,
0: Fit. Yeah, that's Every, everything I do. Is everything I develop now, whether it's my podcast, which is called Shining Mind, whether it's my books, Smashing Mindset, whether it's my scientific research, um, everything is about helping the world get Fit.
1: Are you going to have workshops
0: on Fit? Yes, I have one coming up there in Brisbane. Um, I hope to do one in New York when I visit you. Yes. <laughs> I hope we can arrange it. Yes, in, ju- in June, July. What Um, goes
1: on in these workshops?
0: Oh, I do brain fitness training. I teach people how the brain works. I give them the neuroplasticity strategies, and we do some actual practical exercises um, so people can take them away. How long is the workshop? Is it one session or is
1: it a few meetings?
0: Well, I can do whatever people want. I've done from one hours to three hours to a day to two days. You know, I can do a variety. I've done corporations um, for performance mindset um, because it's all, fit sits at the baseline of all of these different outcomes, you know, Mm -hmm. that we're trying to achieve, whether it's reducing sugar, whether it's getting fit, whether it's improving depression, anxiety or trying to have a better sports performance right because this part of the brain sits at the bottom it's the oldest it's just kind of in my opinion one of the baseline things that really matters that you need to know that you've got to train
1: right yeah so you're in so in these workshops you you give exercises yep. that anybody could take home and start implementing yep. on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And the more you implement, the better you get.
0: And and, and the reason I call it MIG-Fit is because, and I know no one knows what their name is yet, but I then know when you have people telling you, I'm getting MIG-Fit, when they're waking up in the morning, they're doing their gratitude mm-hmm. or they're doing their exercises or their yoga every day or their breathing or they're um, reducing their sugar intake. They'll understand that each of those little factors are actually all going in to change the way the amygdala is wiring for stress. Mm, Right. And at the moment, people don't understand that that is what's happening. And um, then also applying the principles of neuroplasticity, meaning you can't just do it once a week. The way the brain gets rewired, it takes training, practice, and effort every day to do this. And that's why if you just do one tiny little thing, as you know, Matana, smiling every day, Right. or doing your gratitude every day right. over time is a thing that generates a change
1: right and it just
0: becomes and a just habit hard to right and then it's then before you know it you're not thinking about doing those things now i know right
1: that. no it's part of my it's part of the way i function now so do you understand
0: Matana, that what you've done is you've created a whole new action sequence of behavior in a different part of your brain yeah. and under stress that now gets pulled out so right. now you're using your power of your brain -hmm. To pull out that new behavior, which is now an old behavior. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you've rewritten an old habit into a new habit, but Mm. it's all physiology. You're doing it physiologically. Do you know what I mean? It's happening at a wiring level. And Mm -hmm. that's the bit that I'm trying to help people understand that this is physiology, it's biochemistry, it's stuff you can do to get these circuits strong, do you know what I mean? Because you said to me, how can you, you've got so much willpower and stuff. No, I'm using my brain from the training that mm-hmm. it reaches for that now. It reaches for raw nuts when I'm stressed. It used to reach, I'd go straight to the vending machine before i go to the coffee shop and try and get candy or right. anything, muffins or, mm-hmm. you know, that was my go-to in the afternoon when I was super stressed. I'm, and and now I just have raw nuts or cashews or almond. Right. But still, at least I know I'm stressed. It's going to reach for them. Right, but those things go into your body in a different way. That doesn't mean I've got to go and work out for ten more weeks. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, because <laughs> stress isn't going away. We've got we're all but we're aging. We've got parents. We've got kids. We've got jobs. Yeah, that's not going away. Right. But we can handle it in a way that doesn't disrupt and kill our body brain at the same time.
1: <laughs> I saw it last week in real life when I was super stressed with my baby sick and there was a lot going on in my life a lot and different and I was I felt like I was getting beaten up from everywhere the gratitude and my breath saved me and it was my automatic it's not I didn't even have to think about it automatically I went to what am I grateful for when I was feeling depleted to automatically lift me up. And I went instead of rushing to get a can of soda. I don't drink soda anymore, but instead of a chocolate, I took a deep breath and I literally took a deep breath automatically because I trained my body. When you're going into anxiety, take a deep breath, take a deep breath. It's going to automatically reduce your stress. Just take, and, a deep and, breath.
0: And, but what it's, and what from a, from a neuroscience perspective, decreasing the activity in your amygdala, in your Miggy. Mm -hmm. You are getting big fit by doing that. You are changing the way that that part of the brain is reacting. I feel it. And yeah, and pushing your shoulders back. So tell the audience, push your shoulders back. You know, we it's our body, scan your body posture during the day and take that deep breath and you are retraining your brain right that's the piece that's missing and that's why i want to keep calling it mig fit getting big fit getting big fit because yeah by, by putting those words into your head you realize you're actually doing something good for yourself too do you know what i mean like yeah. you're not just do it i just came up with that concept because i felt that piece was missing people weren't seeing that they were actually doing something inside because you can't see your brain it's really right. annoying right, right? And so, so you don't so see the you,
1: exercise and the muscles constantly when you're working on it yeah your body. but the way
0: the way you see it is what in and the thing i love about food and mood and is one you can see it in the food choices you're making right how much you're eating and then you'll see it in your body right. and those three things make it all come together and to make you feel better
1: yeah and i think you should hashtag mich- make fit that people should start this thing and see how many people if they even took a deep breath or, or decided to say yes. yes to water no to soda Fit. Yeah. i had a mig fit moment yes exactly and they could start tracking themselves and yes. how much rent in the world and then yes so will will gravitate more to their yes instead of to the fit bit to the mig fit yes well i can do
0: both <laughs> yeah i think i think we need both i think we need all of the all of, I think we need Wim Hof and we need the ice and the breathing. We need the, like every brain's so different. What I noticed when I had these nine girls with severe eating disorders between mm-hmm. the ages of 14 and 22, um, I took along 10 different brain fitness tools mm-hmm. and each, and I tell you each one react, because res- this is a journey, right? How do we get people started on the MIG journey? Mm-hmm. How do we get them to pay attention? Well, we've got to find something that resonates with them. Right. Right. So taking deep breath doesn't necessarily work for everybody. But someone putting their hand in ice for two minutes, that relieved their overthinking because eating disorders, the brain's really disordered thinking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It stopped that thinking in its tracks and they all started to smile. Really? Yep. Wow. Okay, audience, this is the next trick. I didn't do this trick, but this is from Wim Hof. Start to put put your hand in, just get, get ice out of the freezer, put some water in it and try it and see how long you can stick your hand in that ice time it and And then, then and then the next day see how long you can do it again and recognize when you feel that pain it's just your amygdala going off but if you take a deep breath that will pass through and that you'll start to feel numb and you'll be able to stay in there longer and longer and longer and after that pain which is not really pain; it's just the wiring, um, and you recognise that. Then you're going to get this instant release of endorphins, serotonin, and all these fantastic positive neurochemicals, and you're going to feel fantastic. And you're basically, your brain stopped in its tracks from overthinking.
1: Wait, I think it'd be wait, a fantastic wait, 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 thing wait, wait! For depression. <laughs> wait, 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 wait! Uh, what about frostbitten? Like you can no, get frost?
0: No, no. You just do it for. You start with say 10 seconds or 30 seconds. No, no. Wim Hof has stayed under ice for two hours without any of that. So how? So he's, re- he's rewritten the textbooks on all of this. We got it all wrong, basically. Um, it's training, it's brain training when you do this. So because you're activating your nervous system, um, blood vessels react in, yeah, I can h- do a whole session on this because it's so fascinating because it gets your immune system going, it reduces inflammation, um, it stops that stupid overthinking that's all ridiculous and wrong. Don't you we know, you, have
1: to like listen to our body and say, okay, you, if the body's in pain, take it out of the ice? No, he's taught that that's not correct. So what is frostbite?
0: Frostbites when basically you've been in there for hours. These, we're talking about seconds to minutes to two minutes.
1: Yeah. okay so there is such a thing as frostbite oh when, there is a, okay a thing as frostbite no
0: but this is about training using tools not to stay in there forever and get you know there is an an upper limit but he okay. has meant but 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 i have to say you can go and look at his videos he's called the ice man He has stayed in ice right. for two and a half hours right and they've trained they've imaged his brain and shown he's retrained that part of the brain that we said was not trainable
1: so when people get hypothermia ha- hyperthermia when they jump into ice cold water is because their brain is not trained yeah
0: there's been no breathing like yeah but they just go in there and you just the shock panic and a shock and yeah you have to look at all of his stuff to understand yeah jesse
1: just went to him you know you saw yes it, you i know his I saw all of that yeah well, i did well i did all of Wim
0: Hof training as mm-hmm. well Mm-hmm. And I actually measured the blood. I, I did everything he did. I measured the urine. I measured my bloods. I measured my oxygen levels. And everything he said each week was actually happening in my body. Wow. And and he's also published now in Proceedings of the National Academy of Science. And he's trained a ton of people too. So it's not just him being a circus freak person, right. which is what, what he was considered for a long time. It really is the first step into immediate happy, healthy, and strong. Yeah. When you do this, because your brain virtually is stopped in its tracks from thinking. When you mm-hmm. just stick your hand in ice, you just start with hand in ice. I'm going to try that.
1: I'm going to start, start that. I'm going to start that. And, and every day increase yeah, every day inc- increase it for a few seconds, ten seconds, twenty yes. seconds. Whatever you want. Like I I because you know
0: what I'm like, I go straight to what he says, which is two minutes. I, I think like so I do it for some people. Some people can't last more than ten seconds and then these girls, some of them in the eating disorders, some of them went for ten minutes.
1: With the hand. Um, with the hand. Yeah, just just hand. one hand.
0: We do one hand one hand at a time, okay. and and what you'll notice, and then you can also do a heat pack afterwards if you like. So
1: what do I notice after? You're gonna start. You're gonna
0: notice how good you feel because you're and gonna get a release of endorphins after. Right away, more or less. Well, because on the opposite side of how the pain transmission works is a release of endorphins. It's your natural energetic system.
1: And how long does that last for that endorphin re- release? I just think for me, it sets up my brain really well for the day. So I after I do this
0: after I do my run. Um, you- um, and you know that people at sports are doing full-on ice baths yeah, because it yeah. takes, out, takes out all the inflammation in the mm-hmm. body. Yeah. Um, I haven't moved to that yet. I got pretty close, but I'm going to work. Uh, in this new center we're opening,
1: mm-hmm. um, which
0: involves um, wellness, plus bringing in brain fitness, we're actually going to put in an ice bath there as about, well as the sauna. What about cold showers? Yeah, cold showers is another fantastic way. What you do is you just turn and at the top of your spine Um, You you have to work up to this because I hated cold showers, but um, I worked all my way up. I have cold showers now. If you turn or put your spine, the top part of your spine into the cold, that also stops your brain from working.
1: Do you go straight into the cold? Do you start with no, a warm you can, shower? Some, well, some people start warm first
0: and then finish with cold. Is that okay? And that yeah, and then over time, like I did his ten week course, by the end you go straight to the cold,
1: and it doesn't bother you.
0: Well, you you have you do your breathing, you do your mindset, and you think that it's not cold. You think it's warm and then it's that and then all of a sudden it doesn't feel as cold anymore it's really weird it's fascinating it's so
1: fascinating sorry we lost selena i took her out of her day job research which she's working so hard on and i am so grateful for her time i'm sorry we didn't hear the end of it but we're gonna have her back on again and we're gonna work on having her for a a workshop about rewiring our brain and MIGFIT. This is so exciting. I could speak to her for days. Just so fascinating to me. And it's the ultimate hope for me. If I think hope, I think Selena, because she just is researching how to rewrite mental health and illnesses and not call it mental illness. She calls it brain health. And it's just the epitome of hope for me, what she's doing. And I'm so grateful for all the knowledge that she just gave us and all the information of how we can help ourselves. I hope you take some of this information and reduce your soda, reduce your chocolate, reduce a little bit, small, small increments, as she says, small little doses. I'm excited. I'm I'm super excited about this. And I'm, I'm grateful beyond words to her work, to her research. It just was fascinating to see behind the scene, this huge, massive building that she's working on, all this research, the labs, the technology. So many people, just I'm thinking about how many people it takes to actually figure out what's going on in our brain. Unbelievable. Thank you for listening, everybody. And we have hope because we have Selena and we have others like Selena researching and we have MIGFIT coming to the world. So do your fit do your workout and try to get more fit with your brain and training it to not crave chocolates and fats and sugar, train it to look for the fitness and the rewiring that it needs to reduce stresses. Hope you enjoyed this. Bye till next time.